Speaking of Morgan Stanley, what's going on with Morgan Stanley, man? How's the job? It's going well. It's going well. Um, settling into the constraints of, you know, certain things I can't do. Like I used to do, like, I can't even short stocks anymore. I was like, yo, wow. <laughs> like, what about what? options? What about options? I can do options, but it's just like they want you to own a security for 30 days. Right. Like you just, I just keep telling myself, you know, you do what you have to now. Let's do what you um, want to yeah. later. This is just the last. This is just the last stop. This is the last. Um, my last stop on a tour to where the plan is. Only the plan's been going, you know, how I planned it for the last few years. So I'm not going to complain. On the lowest of keys, I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, because I've been watching the the Tyler Perry stuff. If you kind of take it deeper than Instagram, there's a lot of really good content on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they were talking about, aside from like all the other really cool things he's done with hiring black folks and putting them in position to thrive and all that stuff, reviving careers, putting people on who were like kind of close, but not really there, like Carrie Williams, those kind of, kind of people. Right. Um, what he did is he created his own walk of fame. And I was like, that is dope. Like, I didn't knew that. I didn't know that. Like on on the plot of his studio, right? So on the studio in front of like the Oprah Oprah Winfrey studio, like soundstage, is a star for each one of the people that have done business with him, like his original cast. And I thought that was fire because for me, it's it's not even about the star. It's a fact. Like you got to put your cell phone. You got to create something that doesn't just. It's not just about Tyler Perry. It's not just about Jamal. It's not just about me. It's not just about Raphael. It's about everybody else that we could put on. And yeah. so, like, that's that's why. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's, the, col- it's, the, collab- it's the collaborative effort. And, and say what you want about Perry and people who always, like you said, like his entire career can be based about how he pulled himself up and pulled other people up. Like, who heard of those people who were in his, like, sitcoms or plays before he gave right. them a job? Right. Like before right. Mm-hmm. he gave, like, um, what was the lady name who played in the um, the first uh, Tyler Perry, wow, um, uh, Diary of Mad Black Woman? What was it? Um, the old Kimberly, lady, Kimberly Elise. Oh, I don't know her. Like she was almost. Oh, she played, oh, oh. She played in John Q with Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like, one that played the um the wife or, or right exactly. And the one that was it, abused. The one that got was getting abused. So it, that speaks like that is a blueprint of that. That's like Black Wall Street reinvented in the 20th century. Like that's right. what it is. Like, it was, what's really what? dope is I saw something. I don't know who posted it, but they said that his studio, the size of his studio was double the size of the Warner Brothers studio. And too often we put all these other people up on pedestals. We're like, oh, they're Warner Brothers. They're 24th, 21st century Fox. They're this, they're that. And, like, if we truly believe in our greatness and not what people say about what we can do, we could do stuff far surpassing what these motherfuckers do. Like, that is why it's, it's just, I think people need to really grasp that because we are, we are underachieving on a nas- national scale. And it's not because we should be. It's because we don't know any better. It's so. that whitewash mentality. It's like, it, I, 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 I had to say that certain Black people are still in that Jim Crow civil rights mentality. And by that, I mean, they were brainwashed to think that white was better because we lacked access. 
because they wouldn't let us in the restaurants, because we couldn't go and sit at the counter, because we couldn't shop at Macy's. All of a sudden, those were better. Those are exclusive. But now that we have the right, think about it. Think about it. I see this all the time because most people don't know that I have a car, but I don't drive downtown because it's just too expensive and it's just, I live so close the commute is just better to take public transportation. But what do black people do the first thing they do to get on the bus? Go to the back. You all, right, you I always thought about back. that. Yo, they go straight to the back. Why? Because the last seat, the very last seat. Right. Too. But you fought so you can sit up the front because you know the white man told you that was a privilege. But mm-hmm. you go straight to the back of the bus. Why? Because you've made that the cool scene. You've made that where people want to be. But we haven't done that in other in other you know other spaces such as business and you know production and all that we still think the big names the like i like to say the black white conglomerates are better but i'm waiting for these black conglomerates like tyler Perry to get on and buy other black companies and make mm-hmm. that the place to be where mm-hmm. it should be what the hbcus used to be for black people the preference right. and not the secondary right you know some crazy stuff is we all talk about flint and we talk about like oh they poisoned them with the water but it's the same dudes that make your food. It's the same dudes that make your water in other cities. Like these dudes are connected. And when I heard somebody, I've been listening to a lot of David Banner and he made that connection and my mind was like blown. Like people don't realize like if, he, cause he said his goal is to buy a farm. Like he wants to produce the food that we, people consume. And we don't realize like we're letting them feed us. So therefore we're letting them determine what goes inside of our body. We don't know what goes in there. We don't know what those chemicals are. We don't know what that stuff means in the back of the package. And we're letting mm-hmm. them educate us, feed us, clothe us, give us music, give us entertainment. And if you can kind of determine what goes in somebody, you can kind of determine what goes out of them. So it's kind of what you always do when you're always talking about services. The reason that we don't know what goes in our food is because farming isn't sexy. Nobody, nobody's gonna, you know, write a yeah. food, you know, article about, you know, Charles Oglesby's the the farmer from California. It, it just doesn't right. roll off the tongue the same way. But that quiet money sometimes is the best money. Right. Don't always it's kind of like. Go ahead. I was going to say, that's kind of like from um, one of Charles's favorite books, The Miseducation of the Negro. He yeah. talks about <laughs> how um, black folks go to college and learn all these fancy uh, subjects like business and all this stuff, but they don't want to do the simple, the simple businesses that don't seem sexy, like you're saying. Right. You know, nobody mm-hmm. wants to have a corner store. Right. You know? Maybe they maybe 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 they might like a, a supermarket, but they're not gonna do a corner store. Yeah. You know, nobody wants nobody wants to buy a hot nobody wants to go to college and then come and open a hot dog cart. I'm telling you, nobody and that's the that. that's the crazy part about it. I love that quote. Um, and what he's talking about is how like people will chase kind of like this Wall Street stuff and they'll turn their nose up to like push a peanut cart or push an ice ice wagon or sell peanuts in their own community. Meanwhile, the immigrant who doesn't study finance but studies the Negro sets up a business in the mm. Negro's community and gets mm-hmm. rich. We, can, we realize that we all, I kind of think about uh, it, it, the black community is lacking that thing where, you know, the Bible always talking about that we all have special gifts and we can't work independent. The body can't work independently of each other. The black community is working independently of each other. 
some of us are getting, you know, a lot of us, you know, us included, we're getting the message that, you know, meetups and community and networking works, but a vast majority of us are still trying to be the hand over here working independently of the risk and the elbow. Like, you, mm. you're, you're not, you're trying to build, you know, that you're trying to build those fancy businesses right. when your community really needs you to be that corner store owner. Right. And that in that vacant house and the end of the block that's been yeah. vacant for 20 years. I'm pro they turning need, a vacant home into a business. They need mm. you to be the one who sells the milk and bread for together for 369 instead of buying it for seven dollars. The crazy part about <laughs> it is the crazy part about it is the the more time that we let pass and we don't do those things, the more wealth we let slip through our fingers. Mm-hmm. We always want to chase the sexy business. We want to chase that new app, <laughs> that new whatever. But quite honestly, we aren't even qualified to even do that sexy tech stuff until we can at least own the businesses in our community at a foundational level. Like wealth is abundant. Wealth isn't just like I own the store and now I'm done. Like you gotta you gotta own the store and then let's start building some cool stuff on top of that store. And so we got not even that the, the cool stuff will come. Like if you're the business owner, the black right. business owner that builds the corner store, some kid will see your business and be like, Oh, Mr. Washington, I wonder if he needs an app. Let me learn how to code so I can give him my service, or he'll let me do that for free so I can build my portfolio. It's we inspire each other to do, do. more I- extraordinary things. One block builds on another. Facts. Right. So for the listening audience, welcome to Tweet Talk, episode 19. It's lit. Yeah. <laughs> AKA drink tra- drink champs. Yeah, I was gonna say, man, now people can see you drinking, man. This guy. Man, I be getting lit on Tweet Talk. <laughs> <laughs> hey yo, it's the Breakfast Club. Tweet Talk. <laughs> this guy, man. So uh tonight today's episode tonight's episode whenever you're listening to this we've got guest jamal Fatos, former former director of the todd capital stock investing club am i right yeah director marketing um and research analyst i was the president for a while charles had me doing a lot of stuff (laughs) yeah but now now Jamal is Hollywood, is big time. He moved nah. on to one. <laughs> he moved let on me, to one me, of the big. Let, let me start that big time. I might <laughs> like. I might work for a PWI Wall Street firm now, but even my position there is all about the culture, all about when getting the knowledge. When they get all on, about, they leave your ass for a white firm. No, <laughs> no, no. Because for those, for your listeners that don't know, I spent the last months prior well i've been at the new firm two months but the 19 months prior i was at a community black owned bank getting honing my skills sharpening my skills and whatever and exactly what the because the ce um the coo was the one who brought me in like i had tweeted them i had um (laughs) actually i kind of trolled them on twitter i trolled them and he was so impressed he brought me on what he said he was saying that's what black firms should do and this goes into our thing he said black institutions should foster our community like uh, our community professionals to go out into the world learn from larger 
corporations and bring that home, bring that back home to the base. That's my focus. Mm-hmm. I got, I got housed at home. They sending me out there in the world. I'm gonna get some insights, some knowledge, some skills, and I'm gonna come back home. Interestingly enough, I've, I've seen that. Like I said, I used to work for a private family office and they manage wealth, they manage finances, they do loans, they do construction. And one of their sons went to school and got an undergrad degree in finance and they sent him to a different firm. They didn't even hire him at their own office. They sent him mm. out there for a few reasons. Um, one is that they kind of, it's tough. It's a dynamic when you have somebody who's like, their dad is the boss coming into your organization. You can kind of disrupt the, the continuity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Others to send him out there to learn. So he's not working for money. He's working to learn, like the book says. And so it's just something I've seen from the wealthy. The wealthy do this. Um, it's kind of like I always tell people, like Donald Trump, he is wealthy, but he sent his kids to college. He sent his kids to get MBAs. He sent them to war. You've got to still train them up. You still got to like make them valuable individuals so that they can't come back into the fold. So yeah. I agree. I should be talking shit. Yeah. No, I, I feel mean, you. No, but I, but I know, you, I know, you, I know Charles especially knows what I'm doing. Cause I've told him about, it. but I want other people to sometimes think, cause they always think, Oh, you spend a little time at the small black firm to go to a bigger white firm because that's where you really want to be. That's what the prestige is. No, that's not my thinking. I need to get the, the knowledge because those small black firms sometimes don't have all the resources or don't necessarily know how to build them. So you need someone to mm-hmm. go absorb that information. How do they run this? How do we build that out? So when I come out, come back in five years, okay, we don't have a, a wealth management division. Build mm-hmm. it from scratch. We don't do analytics. Right. Build it from scratch. Like you've done all that. Now you can come back and say, this is what I learned. This is what the world taught me. And it's also about networking, just like, just like how the NCAA for years back in the day used to nitpick and steal black athletes from HBCUs. You go to some of these white firms, network, you nitpick, steal some of the talent from them, and bring them back home. Respect. Cool. Yeah, I mean, even uh, Chick Fil A does this too. I mean, this is what I heard a couple of years ago that um, the Caffey family, when their kids graduate from college. They send them out for two years to work in, for another company yeah. before they come yeah. work. They did come work for the family, man. You know, it's it. We out here, we out here figuring out these <laughs> strategies, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like I like it, man. We definitely gotta go out there, deploy our children to go learn and stuff, and bring it back home. That's what that's what these other people do. They send their kids to college so that they can come into the business, the little Chinese store, the Chinese food store, or whatever, and bring their knowledge, their book knowledge, and just strengthen the business and increase it. You got to be thinking that way too. Also, a sense of entitlement. Like uh, Charles was talking about at his yeah, firm, they did they didn't even hire him at his own firm. They sent him out. Imagine how how humble that makes you. Daddy wouldn't even hire me. I got to show my worth hmm. and go work for somebody else. Not right. even for the money, as Joe said, not even for the money. I have to show that. You got proof. You got proof. I got proof that my skill set is up to par, that, that I'm, I'm knowledgeable enough, that I'm intelligent enough, that I am a intellectual, vital asset to the family legacy and not just 
basically a a, 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 a trainer from the assets. It's lit. Where we at, Raphael? <laughs> yeah, let's see. I'm just trying because you know, Charles is over here. He's on Instagram right now, man. I'm getting to pop up some up. <laughs> <laughs> like, Todd Millionaire mentioned you with a comment. I'm like, wait, what? What's going on with this guy? I mean, if he's, I mean, if he's, if he's um, tweeting and posting Instagram pics where he's on vacation with the wife, oh, I mean, what can I expect, right? But anyway, you know, Charles is saying like, um, Black men are billionaires. Yeah. Uh, I noticed you were talking about this guy, David Stewart, and you were saying you never even heard of this guy. Brand new uh, black billionaire up there. I never even heard of him until I saw your tweet. I was like, we are not, we definitely got to promote this stuff more and let people know about these people. Like, I never even heard of him until so like, today. today David yesterday. Stewart. The name sounds familiar, but I forget what he does. I think he's, he's worth like 3.9 billion. Yeah. Jeez. Like, he's not even from Africa for oil or something? He's not even from Africa. No, no, he's American. He's American. Oh. Yeah, he just jumped on the list like a couple months ago. He just owns he just some random over. company. <laughs> yeah, what does what this random company do for $3.2 billion? Like, uh, I'm thinking like about real robot real. technology? I think, yeah. I think it's IT. Yeah, it's not yeah. even like some sexy stuff. It's like, and then uh, the name is like Worldwide Technology. Also, so, Bob Johnson's a billionaire as well. We don't talk about him enough. He was the original. Right. Before Oprah. Yeah. Well, okay. no. Reginald F. Lewis was, was the original. But Bob Johnson, yeah. Like, I still, so, but I, to this day, I still feel like selling BET to Viacom hurt the community 100 percent. because because what selling they always hurts the community selling always hurts the community because it's not just about the money it's right about all the different things that go into it but selling bet hurt the community to say nothing of the fact that tv one kathy hughes which kathy hughes own doesn't do enough y'all have mm -hmm. these platforms where you could have hundreds and dozens of original programming elevating the community and y'all resort to running baby boy 10 times a week <laughs> <laughs> like that that's not the way you are the two most powerful black media powers in the community we, that's all we got bt and td1 and you you resort to running reruns of martin which is a classic i'm all for that but it should be more you you Where's could be right you should run news like we should have daily black news mm -hmm. Daily Black News, we should be, like, that should spotlight the community. The, right. That could be helping Black businesses raise investment. That could be helping communities raise investment in real estate. That could be helping HBCUs fundraise. Mm -hmm. They're not, even, using, the, even, they're uh, not using the platform like, in the right way. Putting put in HBCU football games on TV is an, is an opportunity as well that people are missing out on. Because it's not just about, of course, putting them on TV, but also the ad space. You're going to make money through ads. You're going to give uh -huh. these athletes exposure. You're going to give these schools exposure because a lot of these schools, these programs make their money off of TV. 
they're not just making it off of ticket sales. They make it off of the TV ads that or the TV that they're on NBC and they're getting that fat check, kind of like the NFL teams, the and NBA teams. And so, like, we're not even tapping into that market, even though we have the opportunity and the resources. Yeah, because so many good entrepreneurs, once they once they stabilize and reach that plateau of achievement, they go from entrepreneurial hunger to greed survival. Yeah. It's about my money. About and that's my why you can't chase the money, man. You cannot yeah. chase the money. You got to be about purpose. You got to chase the purpose. purpose. You got to chase. Like, it's just some stuff that you got to do because the culture needs it. Whether you get rich, chicken, drive a Rolls Royce or not. Because after a certain level, folks just kind of overdo it. Like, Floyd Mayweather has too much money. Like, all you need is one Rolls Royce, brother. This dude has 15. And low-key, I think he has, like, he has a whole black fleet and a whole white fleet. So every car that you see that he has in black, he has in white. And so I saw like, this Stop great it. picture of like all this black like fly cars, but apparently in Miami has a house and he has all his white cars out there. I feel like is that to go into conjunction with those stupid fifty million dollar watches he has? That too. It's like, and I feel yeah. like it's, it it kind of frustrates me because it's folks out there out there who who like the community is struggling. But we have people out there who are just spending money on ignorant stuff. And yeah. it's all it always reminds me of the Chris Brown or the Chris Rock uh, quote that I quoted recently on another podcast. And I was talking about how, like, um, when a white man gets money, he creates jobs and he creates Walmarts so that other white people can have jobs. When a black man gets money, he buys some fucking jewelry. And we gotta stop buying <laughs> jewelry. That's what he does, yo. He buys <laughs> like, but they're all yeah, it's ridiculous. They're all small, bright spots. We we're saying some of the athletes, your your or your your hip hop moguls, your Nas's. But your look LeBron. at Tyler Perry. He's not shining like that, right? Because he has like, his money working. His money's in the streets. His money's creating jobs, and he's still rich. Right, investment. I'd rather be investment. on the Forbes and be flashing on motherfuckers. I'd rather be on the Forbes and people know that I got wealth and my kids don't want for anything and I've created jobs and opportunity for thousands of people than to have done nothing for anybody but to just look rich. How, how y'all feel? Because I read this article mm -hmm. recently and I've been seeing this a lot that they're creating that women, black women and other women of different ethnicities are creating funds to invest in black women owned companies, which is fine. And they need the money, you know, only 2% of black businesses get any investment at all. But I'm finding that the more they focus on making sure that the black women back companies get investment, no one's talking about black men companies getting invested who are equally as underfunded. There are no funds popping up to invest in the black man. And once again, we're becoming we're supposed to be the head of the community, but no one's considering that they need investment as well in these black-owned companies. Right. As if that black men are out here mm -hmm. just getting money and black women aren't. That's not really the case. What do you think, uh, Raphael? What do you think on that, man? I mean, this is what we talk about a lot. I mean, this is why Charles started with the whole... Yeah, this is why Charles told us. Bless a black man to start funding black, black male-owned businesses too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not playing. Not playing. Right. Too. I mean, I know, I've been already noticing it lately. Like, that whole, what you just, exactly what you just said. Like, I was thinking about Harlem Capital. Not to pick on Harlem Capital, but it's like a lot of people, <laughs> the Charles, man. And a lot of people, they say, oh, um, they talk about women, women led businesses don't get hardly any capital. Black women, especially, don't get any capital for their businesses, you know, versus white, white men led businesses. But they don't talk about businesses led by black right. men. Right. Like, we, right. we, you know, they'll talk about women. We get put in this weird, we just right. get lost. We get in put in this weird subset of where it's like, apparently, black men are getting some privilege in the business community. I'm sorry, did I miss this? Are we not on? Did we miss this train? Yeah. Like, are, are we in some C level positions? Are they throwing money at us? Yeah. And I just I don't, don't like it because jealous, I feel like man. what's going to happen is the dynamic's going to shift because black women already make more small businesses than black men. The statistics more show that they have more. five times more businesses and startups than us. You mm -hmm. add into the 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 equation that. In the venture, the VC community, they're going to start getting money and funds are getting created specifically just to invest in them with no consideration for the black man. Yeah. I don't want to say that it could be right. another stereotype to try to divide the community, but I don't like the recipe that y'all cook it. Yeah. The problem, the problem is people don't realize that what they're doing is wrong because they benefit from it. And that's one of the reasons why instead of trying to get like black girls rock or all these other black women organizations to like say, nah, black people need help too. Black men need help too. I was just like, I'm going to create it because they can't see it. Like we talked about with Tasha, like she really is blind. She's Stevie wonder to it. She does not want to see it. She's just like, nah, <laughs> I know that statistically we make more and we have more businesses and we're more educated, but I still want a bunch of free shit. And I deserve this free shit because I'm a vagina. Therefore, I must get free shit, despite what the facts say. And so I think that, like, as men, we got to just sit back and assess the bullshit and, and just govern ourselves accordingly. Yeah. And we don't, we, don't, we don't need people to acknowledge and agree and say, yeah, I agree. We do need to help black men. Like, we already know. I know. I don't need Tasha to agree with me. I know. And you know. And Raphael knows, and any other brother out here knows that it's fucked up, and we know that people are retarded, and they're misguided, and they have a buy. And the, the thing with Harlem Capital is they raise money to invest. It's not their money. So, And a lot of their investors are like white Oh, that's true. Who that they're trying true. to convince to invest in these things. I was so frustrated when I saw they posted something, and they're like, we just invested in this company of people of color. And it wasn't no black folks. They didn't invest in Blavity. Mm. They didn't invest in whatever. They invested in some random white women-owned company. Maybe a few Mexican people in there. Maybe some mm -hmm. people in there. Because women and people of color. Fuck that. I am of the mindset of if there are people out there who are underfunded, so my responsibility is... <laughs> my responsibility I'm, with, I'm is, with Charles. My responsibility is to the black community. Right. The black community as a whole, the black man second, and then the black woman. Not saying the black woman is last, but if my men are not 
strong and flat footed, there's no hope for the black woman. Right. Even if they think they're winning, they aren't winning. I put out this tweet earlier and it was talking about how like a lot of women, they think that they're winning because they get more money if the man's not in the house, not knowing that the man's in the house, you'll get even more money because you have a contributing <laughs> being. And uh, uh, money is fake, man. There are certain things that we got to focus on that are not money oriented, like stability for your children or having that stern voice for your children or having that heavy hand for your children or having that unconditional support for your children or having that co- sense of building confidence in your children that a man does. There are so many things that have nothing to do with money, but they convince people to think that money is everything and we need stuff. We got to buy stuff. I need a new car. I need a new TV. I need a new dress that they're willing to push out all those other factors just so they can get a bunch of stuff so they can look good and feel good about themselves. And so I feel like we have to stop really focusing on money if we're talking about wealth because wealth, in my opinion, isn't just about money. Wealth is about power and control. Wealth is about being able to dictate where you go in life. And right now we are helpless. We are defeated and we're still chasing money. It's still been the same talk since the eighties. Money talk isn't new. Wealth talk might be new, but money talk is not new. They've been talking money talk, getting Gucci, getting Louis, getting Benjes and all that stuff, popping Chris style. It's funny you say that because early in this year, I think it was early this year, y'all might correct me, maybe it was late, um, late last year around this time, um, the guy sold Bevel, the Black-owned company. And I just read an mm-hmm. article maybe not a month ago that says he has buyer's remorse. He wished he had right. not sold it to, who was it? I think it was, was it P&G that bought it? I think so. I think it was P- no, I think, no, it was the other one. What's the, is it Reflon? What's the other company? I forget the one that make razors or something. It might've been Gillette. I think he sure. Gillette or someone bought it and he has buyer remorse because he felt like, and this is what the exact words from the article, he felt like they're no longer serving the community. The very people he made the razors for is no longer their market segment. Yeah, bro. I could have told you that when they cut you that check. Right. And that's why I sell like, I'll never forget. I heard this Warren Buffett quote and he said that one of the worst things that you can do if you have a business that makes money is sell it for money because then you have to figure out what you're going to do with that money. And so I'm of the mindset that we just never sell. That is profound. Right. And so he was, it kind of speaks to like the Carol's daughter on all those other organizations, but it's a point that I've made on another podcast where it's like a business is more important than just the net income and what accrues to the owner. You got to look at all the jobs you're creating. You got to look at all the change you're creating. You got to look at all the people and the connections that you're making, like all the people that you're working with in the supply chain that because you're working with them, you're working with black owned people throughout that supply chain, as opposed to just shipping it off to China and going to get the cheapest thing. So I think that like, for me, the business is bigger than just getting rich. Getting rich effectively comes by the business, but the business is about that community. The business is about retiring your wife, making sure your kids don't have any financial worries, making sure that people aren't over here begging for minimum wage, making sure like just the dignity and not having to beg McDonald's to give you more money. That is worth owning Hmm. your own business. Like have some fucking pride. Like, like Dame Dash is there's pride in ownership. There's pride in that. It's not, it's not just being rich. We get sold being rich as, as, as if being rich is the goal instead of like having a successful healthy thriving community is the goal there's already black people that are rich but do we have a successful thriving community that is self-sustainable and is free from threat 
They're not here getting our ass kicked by every fucking community that wants to come into America. Yeah, I, I say this all the time, and I, and I know it may sound egotistical to some people, but you probably, the two, I know the two of you are okay. I tell people all, all the time. We're all about ego on here. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are the source, man. That I don't want, uh, that I don't want money. I want power and influence more than anything. I want the power right. that when I pick up the phone, the president of the United States calls me. Like, I want the power that other CEOs ask me to be on their boards. I want the power that people seek my professional opinion. I want power. I want influence. Right. I want reputation. I want reverence. I want that. The money will come. The right. six, seven, eight figures right. in the bank account, that'll be there. But people sitting there saying, oh, we need someone to consult on this new, you know, expansive financial project. And my name is, if it ain't on the top of the list, I'm, on t- I'm top three and I damn sure ain't third. <laughs> <laughs> damn right. It's lit. <laughs> no sure no humility on here. Because <laughs> we are the source. Great black men and be humble at the same time. Yo, and that's, that's shit, what man. I want. I want. I want to live up to the legacy of Reginald F. Lewis, Eddie C. Brown, all, you know, mm-hmm. the, um, I forget, um, um, John J. Johnson, the guy who made Ebony and Essence. I want to live up to them because talk about building a business from pride. Like, those are still Black-owned businesses. Like, Lewis still, it, it, you know, and I feel like Reginald F. Lewis died. We lost him way into his prime. Like, he still had so much more to teach us. Right, 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 right. Right, uh-huh. Man, and Charles, you said fire off the tweets, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a chance to touch that teach. So the reason why I posted that is because again, my goal is to to reshape the narrative. So if I tell you that black men are billionaires, and I keep saying it over and over and over and over again, pretty soon you're gonna start thinking that black men are billionaires, not that black men are thugs and criminals and whatever else they try to paint. And so like just cause like they can use the media and words and language to shape us, I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna speak what I want to see. I'm gonna speak what we're gonna walk into. And I feel like what we don't realize is too often we do the opposite. And so we speak the negative of us. We speak the N word and the B word and the we broke, we ain't ever gonna have shit. We po, they ain't mm-hmm. gonna let us do nothing. And that becomes our reality. So if you change your words, you change your life. If you change what you speak, you change what you see. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Like, that's one of the things that people didn't understand about me on Twitter for the longest time. It's like, I talk where I want to be. And so people will see me talking about, like, I'm hopping out the Maybach. They're like, he's so rich. He got all the money. <laughs> then when I'm still hustling to get there. Like, oh, he's a fraud. He's fake. He's right. I just, I just speak what I want to see, man. I'm going to call myself a So basically, fraud. Charles just gave y'all... He gave y'all the, the earthly version of speak those things that are not as if they already were. And the crazy part is that's the, that was always the source. Like, I grew up in church. I grew up in a faith-based church. And so, like, for me, like, the calling those things that be not as though they were, like, calling them, actually saying them out of your mouth, speaking <laughs> them. It's not just, like, believe those things that be not as though they were. Like, call them. And that's what I do. Like, I say it. I tweet it. I believe it. I, I'm going to tell you it. And so, yeah. like, that's that's kind of my motto. And I think that's yeah. something we need to adopt in the community. Definitely. But take that, taking that either further, they need to, these these things need to, like, how you just said, you said you're hopping out the Maybach. That's a tangible. Hopping out the Maybach. Oh, 
That's a tangible goal. You're giving yourself a specific goal. When people be like, oh, I want to be rich. No, nah. I tell people all the time that my goal is to have $100 million in net worth. That's cash, uh, real property, businesses I own. That's the goal. $100 million. When it's all said and done and they about to put me in the ground, that's the, le- that's the least mm-hmm. I own. When people be like, oh, I want to be rich. Okay. I want to, you know, be six feet tall. Like, what is, like, you need to be specific. Like, what do you, what's rich? Rich is is different to a lot of people. To Bill Gates, his $80 billion is just rich. To us, that's wealthy. Like, what are we talking about? So you got to get the specifics of it and really just don't, don't speak in generalities. Like, and these goals have to be written down. And these, like, this is the, you need those vision boards. You need those those notebooks where your goals are constantly being evaluated and vetted and re-looked at every quarter. Mm-hmm. This needs to be a constant striving mechanism and not just something you're just saying, you know, for so, I say it all the time, people just say stuff for social media. These gurus, these, um, these experts, these whatever they call themselves out there selling people wind, windmills or dreams of for something. <laughs> <laughs> Charles knows I hate the right. gurus on social media. Lord, I hate the gurus. But it's like um Charles, you said on Twitter, stop trying to compete and compare to white people and just focus on being great. I've been listening to a lot of David Banner. And you know what's so crazy about David Banner is I didn't listen to David Banner until he got his podcast. He has his podcast and I listened to his podcast. And from there, I just kind of fell into the, the, the wormhole that is David Banner content. And that was kind of a quote from him. He was talking about how like he creates music for black people. And he was talking about how like we kind of are the sauce. And therefore, instead of us trying to be white, and compare ourselves to white people because one of the things that I hate, I hate when I say something on Twitter and some people will say like, well, white people do it too. Or uh, what right. about white people mm-hmm. doing? And the crazy part about it is it allows us to justify bullshit just because white people do it. And so it, it was like twofold. First and foremost, we are great. And we can do some Tyler Perry level stuff across the board, not just to, like as it pertains to a film studio. If you want to create an investment fund, we can do that better than them. If you want to create a podcast, we can do that better than them. If we want to create whatever we want to create, we can do it better than them. And so the problem is, it's like the, uh, it's like the, the 10X rule book. He says, competition is for sissies. Like, don't compete, dominate. I don't want to compete. You are not to the bar. If I compete with you, you become the bar instead of the bar being as great as I could potentially be. And one of the things that's really interesting about this is like, you look at the NBA, you look at the NFL, and I'm like, imagine mm. if we let white folks be the bar in all spaces, which we kind of do. So I think that in business and technology and innovation, we can dominate that space better than them. And in fact, historically, we have. Like, that's the most frustrating is like, historically, like, all those do- super dope inventions, all those super dope innovations, that was us doing that. Not them. And so I really, it's a charge to people like believing you don't believe in them. Launch out and believe in yourself, choose yourself, 
and, and build something based off of what you believe, not seeking validation for them, you'll get a whole lot further. And I still love white. Do so you want to add to more? Um, I think Charles basically said it all. Um, said it all. Um, because I, I basically do the same thing when I be telling people that you know comparisons. You know, Buffett's good, Gates and all is good, but I always when I'm telling people about business, like Reginald F. Lewis is always the standard for me. Like that's where we come from. That's where we should be focusing. Those people in Black Wall Street, Tulsa, and all that. And Tulsa wasn't wasn't the rarity it was a the most famous of a small sect of different communities around that had sprouted up 100% so right so we you don't have to compare yourself to other people to get where you need to be like there was a someone when they was on accepting an Oscar speech said that their, their heroes always themselves 10 years in the future. That should be you. Like, you're, well, y'all were just saying the sauce. The sauce is you. <laughs> Each one of us as a, as a black man, as a black woman, like, we have <laughs> a certain piece of the recipe in the sauce that we can add to the community, that we can add to the marketplace. And this is the, this is the best part. People miss the fact that they have probably a special talent that the marketplace is itching for. Mm-hmm. Like you probably could make mm. a dollar on the internet. And if you can make a dollar, you can 10 exit as Charles saying, you can make $10. You can make $10. You can make a hundred. You can make a hundred. You can make a thousand. You can make a thousand. You can make 10. Like you have everything you need. If people would stop paying attention to other people's tests and pay attention to their own paperwork, they would ace the exam. Just gotta run your race. Yeah, it's like um, I see one of your tweets, Charles. You said my job gets in the way of my genius. It does, mm. man. Today we had the day off, and um, today we had the day off, and I feel like I just got approached. Every time I'm off, I get approached with a lot of really dope opportunities. So like, John Delia is hitting me up about creating an opportunity fund. Um, supposed to be speaking in Ohio. Um, just so many dope things that I do. Like, I always say, like, I call my contractors and the managers for the organizations daily. Like, once a day, I touch everybody. I got to either text you, phone call you. I need an update. And today, I actually call people, like, two or three times. I was like, I'm not calling you once a day. I'm calling you until the job gets done. And so I just feel like I was able to do a lot and the job gets in the way of so much because I could truly operate in my purpose 100% if I was just free from clocking in. And because I mean, it's, it's actually bigger than just the hours that you're there working for me. I usually work like at eight until seven, mm-hmm. but I leave the house at six. I leave the I leave the house at six, get in the office at eight. I leave the office at seven. I get home at nine. So that's six until nine, Raphael. It's not a nine to five. That's like 15 hours. Mm-hmm. And so imagine if I had that time to just dedicate to myself. And so that's kind of where I am is now that things are kind of, I have a lot of things going and I keep doing more and more and more and more stuff because each thing is a stream. It's going to allow me to be free from that job. So that's kind of the focus right now. 
but it definitely gets in the way because I mean it's like he says retire yourself and then get rich and he also says like um the problem with the job is it gets in the way of getting rich it does it's like imagine if you had your freshest hour to strictly work on your business because there are things in your business that don't cost money a lot of people think like I need money to build a business like no you need probably just time and hustle and so if you have your time back and you can just put that into dominating all the free platforms pretty soon that free is going to turn into paid pretty certain that that pay is going to turn into even more paid and you just keep flipping and keep flipping it but if you have your time back then you could just post on a blog which is free which gets traction you can use mailchimp which is free you can use wordpress which is free you can use instagram which is free and that's going to allow you to build your business and so if you just get your time back to dominate all those free channels which you don't need the money what's inevitable Mm. Uh, I, my little two cents is when I saw that what I thought of is when you say my job gets in the way of my genius I started thinking of you talked before even on this podcast like your job your the company you work for your job will kind of pigeonhole you into a small subset of your real skills mm-hmm. like they put you to do this one job and you got to stay in that one job and do that one thing all day long every day. And they also won't look at you. They won't consider you for like anything else. Like at my job, position came out. By the time I found out about it, it was too late anyway. But still, it was like nobody. You know, somebody said to me, "You know what? You you would be good for that job." But it was something that's completely different than the department I was working in. So they never thought of me. I was like, well, this person is in this department. They're good at that. We're going to look elsewhere for, for, for this talent to do this job. So you're going to get pigeonholed into one thing, doing one job. Like when you're an entrepreneur, you have to do everything, so you learn everything. That's my two cents. But what do you say on that, Jamal? Um, it, it can. I think me and Charles had a... Um, had a conversation about this um, on his uh, his podcast, uh, I think it was a couple of months ago when I was saying that, uh, I think I was saying that uh, all those uh, those nuisance jobs are the are your skilled life hack. Like, because I worked a lot of odd jobs on my way through college. Like I couldn't afford, you know, I had to work my way through college and there was no trust fund. I had to work my way through college. So I had to, worked for TSA, I worked for Digital Corrections, I worked for an entrepreneurial center, um, I worked different things. And even though I hated those jobs, well, the entrepreneurial thing I liked because of course that was in the field, but even though I hated those jobs, I used those experiences to gain what I got from them. The, the, the time at DOC taught me patience, the time at TSA taught me like, you know, security and, you know, analysis and that type of thing. And that's why I kind of feel it. Like, don't let the job, it can stop your genius, but don't allow it to. Don't let them pin, the, pin and hold you in the position. If they, if, if they don't see you for the position that becomes opened up because they ain't let you know. I'm a, I'll, I always put, tell people all the time, like, you should be on your own job's website seeing what positions they have open. Like, even if it upsets your boss mm-hmm. because – you have to do your career. Like bosses, you'll see sometimes bosses will keep you in the position because you make you basically run the department for them. You make them look good. 
so they don't want you to leave. So it's like, oh, I need you here because you're doing my work. Right. And I'm getting the salary paid that you're not getting paid, so I'm not letting you go nowhere. Let let these jobs work for you. And I, I, I'm sure Charles meant it in, uh, I'm not sure if he meant it literally or was he just speaking in in a philosophical term. Well, you I mean it literally mean. when you said your job blocks your genius? Charles? <laughs> uh. Mm, I just think that I could be more genius <laughs> if I didn't have to go there. <laughs> I could do so much more, so much more. Because I've worked with this man for uh, for three years, and he found time in a, a 24-hour day to do everything. So I'm not sure if the job really blocks his genius, but um, it's, but it's I get blocking what you're saying. It's a, it's a current ceiling. Yeah, yeah, I got you for real. Because those eight hours where you know punching a clock for you know corporate America it could be free time you, you building a brand. I definitely get you there. But it it can for some people who I would say who can't multitask, who who lack the discipline to work the nine to five, get off at five, then put in five to six hours on the business on the side, then maybe only sleep three and four hours and do that continuously for stretches amounts of the time, it can block your genius. Because all you're focusing on is that check. So now you're just living for the check. So you have to be willing to to fight through the stagnation, to fight through the the resistance, to fight through the the obstacles. So that if you feel the genius being blocked, that you can rejuvenate it. Also, I respect that. I respect that. Sometimes I'd just be tweeting. He said people just be tweeting shit. I felt it, but I didn't really like dig deep. Yeah, I didn't really like. I didn't. I didn't tweet talk to that one. That was just me just firing shit off. No, I, I feel you. Like sometimes I know you're speaking literal, or sometimes you're just giving people philosophical things to think. So I was like, I wasn't sure if Charles meant like he was the job was literally blocking this genius, or no, was no. that just a tidbit for the people? Man, but the, the low key though, I want to say I was because we're we're doing some really cool stuff right now, right. where um, we just put in like a bid a deposit to bid and i was like wow we really did that it was like so last year we did the deposit for the auction if you only put in 2500 for your deposit you can only buy one house but okay. if you put in 10,000 you can buy unlimited homes and so i was like yeah. uh let's just drop the 10 this year and so we literally was like ah 10 grand boom like we did that shit we put up we paid somebody $10,000 just for the opportunity to do something I think that is powerful because Tone Talks would say that's not possible. Tone Talks would say, oh, we broke. We ain't never going to have that <laughs> money. But the team effort allows us to do whatever the hell we want to do. So now we're in a position where we could buy as many homes as we want and potentially either wholesale them or just keep them. My goal is five homes. And I think that we get there. But it's just interesting kind of the stuff that we walked into. But I think that there are things that we could be doing that I could be doing if I had the time, like the effort and energy, like it's not even just like I work in law. Law is very, very intellectually intensive. So when I'm there, I'm not just like waiting for the time to pass. I'm there and I'm thinking about complex issues all the time. I'm thinking about how this thing affects that thing, how that thing affects that thing. And so my thinking is that imagine if I had all that intellectual time to just apply to making my skyscraper work or making these phone calls or 
do what I need to do in Detroit. Like that is, I, it really, in a sense, does kind of block what I could potentially be doing because I'd be do, I could be doing so much more. So like what I do is cool and we make progress doing it, but we could be doing so much more. And I think the job does in a lot of ways block that. So I feel like the Tweet Talk guest going to ask you when you going to quit your job then, bro. When am I going to quit my job when we get 20 doors? That's the goal. 20 <laughs> doors and I'm quitting. <laughs> That's what I was looking for, specific answer. Yeah. Right? I was just telling the people they got to be specific in their goals. Yeah. Charles just told you that when he get 20 doors, he quitting the job. Right, because I, like, I was like, 10 doors isn't going to do it. But 20 doors will allow me to give my partners a good return and me still not have to work. Technically, at 10 doors, I could do it, but I couldn't still provide what I want to provide for my partners. And so that's why I kind of doubled it to 20 doors. But the, the crazy part about it is you retire yourself and then you get rich. So we retire ourselves at 20 doors and then we go crazy. And then it's like, all right, we got to 20. Now let's see what else we can do. Now let's see what else we can buy. Now let's see what other barbershop we can start. Now let's see whatever crazy, right. no name, billion dollar business we can buy just because they make bottle caps. Like that's what we're trying to get to. Bottle caps. I just want to point out the fact for the people who are listening, how, how analytical Charles was in their solution. Like sometimes people over, they overlook how, strategy pigs into business he said at 10 doors he could do it but he can't provide the return that he would want for his investors he's thinking about roi roa he's thinking about stock owner equity he's thinking about revenues like he worked through the numbers so he knows that 20 doors is that that's the end game that's when i can really quit start moving like that's the type of thinking you need to be out here as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a, a we're working through ideation. You gotta, you got your mind has to be that fluid, not not right. in not instantaneously, but you have to teach yourself to think like that. Right, and that's and that's why I, I, in a lot of ways why I say like it stops your genius because imagine what comes through creation. So imagine if you have your most creative hours to strictly focus on finding more wealth and the crazy part about it is your boss does have that your boss hires you to do what he doesn't want to do anymore and so then his mm -hmm. only job this is why i always tell people like being a ceo is valuable his only job is growth is acquisitions is scale it's so like that's kind of where i'm trying to go and that's why i'm reading this really cool book right now called traction hopefully it's uh heard a lot of really good stuff about it but yeah that's kind of the focus now Nice. Raphael, what's next, man? Yeah, so, so you said uh, on one side of work is struggle, on the other side is skills and connections. So I'm kind of mad that you're choppy right now. I don't know what's going on, but I'm actually yeah, glad. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, so it's not me. I thought it was my phone. I'm like, am I missing something? <laughs> I'm just about to ask, are y'all hearing this, man? Because nobody said anything. I'm like, man, this thing is driving me crazy. Yeah, it's kind of choppy. Um, so we just we just went through a situation where we had um a property, right? So we bought a property from the land bank. We rehabbed this property, and then we, we went to go get it past inspection, and he didn't get the permits. And so they wouldn't pass it, even though the work was compliant, 
because we didn't have the permits. And so I had to circle back and get the permits. But the problem is you can only get the permits from somebody who is licensed. And so we had to get licensed contractors to come in, do extra work on top of the work that they already did so that then we can get the permits. But in doing that, I learned so much about the permitting process, so much so that now we're working on property number two, which, well, not property number two, it's probably like property number six. So we're working on the Tracy house, which is a property that I actually bought in my own pocket. And then I went JV 50-50 with the club. And so now I'm like, okay, I can do the permits this way, I can do the permits that way, but I know the permitting process. And so where in the beginning, before the Oakman house, I was 100% naive as to the whole permitting process. I had no idea. I was just hoping it was gonna work out. We got to the end, found out it didn't work out, and I figured out how to get through that. And so what I realized is that like, now I have the skills of understanding the permitting process. I have a great plumber. I have a great electrician. Um, and now I can effectively GC my own properties, own projects. So if I can GC my own projects, I can GC my projects, but I can also be a GC for somebody else's project. And so there's a lot of people in the investment club who they just want their ROI. They just want their 25%, 30%. They just want their money so they can go spend it on vacations. But they're not realizing that the skill set that you get from doing the work will make you wealthy. The skill set that you get from doing the work will put you in the position where now you're stepping into other opportunities because you can say, I've done this, 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 this here. Like I said before, like, your job doesn't ask you how good your grades were. They ask you what you've done. They ask you for your resume because experience is more important than intelligence. And so if you can get experience, you're going to get the intelligence, but it's intelligence in the form of actually applied like knowledge, not just like, Oh, I memorized some stuff late at night. And then I came in next day, regurgitated it and then went home and forgot it all. And so like, that's what I mean by that. Like everything that I've ran through, has made me a more skilled person, a more informed person, a more educated person, a more valuable person. And it's not just the degrees. Now it's like, what am I doing next? Now it's like you build a skyscraper and now you just become somebody who knows how to build skyscrapers. So now it's like a foregone conclusion. Now I look at a house, I'm like, all right, we gotta do this, 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 this. All right, get it done, man. Like it's second hat now, it's old hat now. And so like, that's what I was saying is like, the work is the reward. Work is the best mentor. If you were looking for a mentor, go work for somebody for free. Just get around them. Just be around them for eight hours straight. Don't take them to coffee and have them tell you a few little tidbits in here. No, go work for them. Go see how they operate in real life. Go see how they operate in real time. Go see how they operate under pressure, when times are good, when customers come in complaining. Like that is so valuable. And I think that that's what people don't realize is like they're just looking for that little shortcut. And the, the, the shortcut is do the work, fam. Do the work. Fall in love with the work and everything will follow. Agree. Definitely agree on that. Mm -hmm. well, so, Charles, tell us about um, the best of black man clothing drive. coat and suit drive. Man, yep. Man. so the, the tips is so valuable because anything that you do is going to add value to you, right? So it's like, if we, I need to build the brand. I need to build the brand that is Blessed Black Man. And so um, the goal is to do this coat drive um, and just try to raise um, coats and suits. I want business attire for these men so they can go on interviews. My goal is to 
really reshape stuff and do it through giving. And so for me, I was home today. I was off today because it was Yom, Yom Kippur. And I was going through my closet and I was like, uh, I got all these suits I can't really wear. And so I started pulling them out. And then as I pulled them out, I had a closet full of like really fresh suits that I like a lot. And I was like, my closet looks kind of fly with all the fresh suits hanging up. And I was like, I want other people to, to experience that having a fresh looking closet, not cluttered with all your old stuff mixed in with your new stuff. And so like giving is beneficial because giving helps them, but it also helps you. You have to get rid of your old stuff so that you can grow. But like I say, givers grow. And so if we, as we help other African-American men, we actually become better. It's like I said, like if, if a candle lights a candle, it doesn't, like the flame doesn't get smaller. Like we need to do more lighting of candles. Um, we're going to run it for the next three months. I'm going to really promote it. I think at the meetup is where I'll do like the drop-offs. They can bring it to downtown LA. We're having our next one at Crab Queens. And then we're going to have one in November and we'll have Erica come out. And then we got to figure out how we're going to distribute them. That's going to be the hard part. But like, I was thinking about this today. I was thinking like, you make money by administering charity. So if Jay-Z starts a foundation, if some wealthy person starts a foundation and they have somebody administer the foundation, they're going to make six figures, seven figures to administer that foundation. And so by asking somebody to do things for you, you're really just saying, get rich on my behalf. Well, get rich and give us crumbs. Like that's what they're saying. They're saying like, okay, because like if you donate money to the Red Cross, you spend all that money to like handle Red Cross overhead. They're paying for their real estate, their lease, their salaries, all that stuff. And they say, okay, well, you know, we got some canned beans. We have this stuff. And so we got to become the charity for our community. If we become the charity, we also become the people who actually get to administer the charity, which then means we're creating jobs and opportunities. And so it's like, it's about community. So like, yeah, when you, when you become the solution, you create everything. So yeah, you solve your problem, but you also solve your problems. So that's kind of my goal. I went on a long tangent, but the goal is, is to do something. I have a lot of coats, I have a lot of jackets, a lot of suits that I can't fit anymore. And I know other people have the same stuff. And I think that if it's, it's also part mindset because we're not giving you bullshit. We're giving you stuff so that you can elevate your life. We're giving you stuff so that you can go on an interview so that you can get a job so that you can be a productive member of society. We're not just saying like, here's some free food. So you go sit on the side of the curb all day. We're not saying here's some money so you can go and you can go buy some drugs. We're saying, bro, I see more in you than you probably see in yourself. I want you to elevate your life. I want you to become an example for your children, for people that, for women that are connected to you. So I'm going to give you something that's going to help you get there. I'm going to give you something that's going to help you tie it together. And a lot of us don't have cheap suits. Like I'm not giving you a cheap suit. I'm not giving you something that's like whack. It's like, it's an expensive piece of uh, expensive item. So like I'm investing in you. And the more that I give, the more that I grow. So like for me, I look forward to the opportunity to give and we got to become that solution, man. I don't want to beg somebody to solve our problems. It makes us look like some bitches. <laughs> Tell them how you really think. Don't be a little B. Be a B. <laughs> blessing. Be a blessing. <laughs> don't be a little B. Start a little business. Episode. I forget which episode that was, actually. It's one of them. Do you have any? Do you have any lined up tweets for Jamal? Cause I have some. No, I don't. All right, I'm I'm about to I'm about to fire some off. Cause the best part about Jamal, and I was gonna <laughs> tell him, 
is he has to be raw and uncut on tweet talks. Like, if you feel a certain way, you got to just let it – you just got to say what you got to say, man. Some of the funniest tweets is when he starts, like, going in on people. <laughs> let me see what I got here. What did you find, Chuck? What did you find? It don't take long. It won't take long. All right, it really won't. He said, fellas, stop. <laughs> it's funny because you called the beloved. He says, fellas, stop letting beloved slide yeah, beloved, out of yeah. town with you on your dime and post themselves the whole time. I mean, you don't have to want to be posted on social media, but don't let her front like she took herself all alone. Yo, this is my <laughs> this is my point. You take a girl on vacation. Women always talking about real men do this, real men do that. So you go on vacation. For her to take selfies as if she then flew herself out as she get in the bag. Mind you, she might be getting her own bag, but she took this trip on your dime and she gonna take pictures like she did by herself? No, sir. No, sir. She ain't got she ain't got to take pictures with you, but don't let her take no pictures like she did by herself. No. You're not what? either you're on vacation with me or you're not on vacation. I feel this like that's so whack. I feel like that's so whack because it seems like they're like trying to it's like you'll go to a girl's Instagram and she'll be single on Instagram and then she'll pop up pregnant. And I'm like, how how what happened? How'd you get pregnant if you're single? How'd you get pregnant if like all your pictures are just <laughs> posing in a different in different locations? Charles, I'll be trying to figure it out all the time on my favorite line. They be like, Oh, I'm good on you dudes. How you good on us, but you find you you pregnant now. I thought you was good on everybody. I thought you couldn't trust nobody. It's crazy. And, and it's just like, and and that kind of, and I, I talk about tweets like that because we always talk about wealth and everything like that. And I feel like. Those are my favorite tweets when you start going in. Because people, I'm all about wealth. Let me make this very clear. But most black people couldn't survive a $400 emergency. So you want dudes to take you on $200 dates if you happen to live with a dude outside of marriage, he needs to pay all the bills, the mortgage, the car insurance, the life insurance, and you telling him you're going to pay BG&E and cable. Like, what? Fellas, don't get caught up in that financial, like, mess. Because when you, if that relationship ends, and especially if you have a child, that court, going, that court is going to run you through the coals. Right. You're going to be paying high child support. You might be paying... Uh, spousal support, depending on how long you was with this woman. That's not what I'm saying. And, and I'm old school. People don't get me wrong. My grandparents were married 50 years. My grandfather went out and got the bacon. My my grandma was a homemaker. The, I have no problem with that dynamic. My thing is this. Don't make it... I hate the reverse psychology of it. Girls try to make it, oh, you're not a real man if you don't provide for the home. This ain't 1960. Nobody's supporting a wife, three kids on a plant job. Ain't no damn plant jobs no more. No. <laughs> Most people got work two and three jobs to make ends meet. Like, no. So don't put yourself in a financial strain. You know what's the crazy part like, about it? Is back then, the whole, like, men work and women stay at home, that was dictated by men. We lived in a pure matriarchy. Yeah. Now, like, things have changed where kind of women have to say so. Everything falling apart. My theory is that, my theory is that I think that men should dictate where we go from here. 
because we see stuff. We're the logical being. We are the people who actually understand where we should be going. And so mm-hmm. if a man says this is what it is, that should be what it is. It shouldn't be like, well, I think blah, 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 blah. And my mama said this. And my girlfriend said this. Because that's what we are where we are. <laughs> like, women need to know their role. They need to know their role. They need to fall in line. If a man says, you make just as much, if not more than me, because things have changed, and you got to actually contribute financially to this household, they should just fall in line. Because yeah. now they romanticize back in the day. But if back in the day was so great, they wouldn't have had a feminist movement. They wouldn't have had this whole big era of we want to work and we want to make money. You can't, we want to work and have money. And also I want to stay at home and be a mom and I want to do this. Like you got to, you like, there's a, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between like what we were and what we have. And I would, I only harp on it because it's not working. I don't talk on black shit that works. I only talk on black shit that's not working. Statistically, it's not working. Therefore, if it's not working, it's your responsibility to create a plan that does work, not to sit over here on top of a plan that doesn't work just because it's your plan. And here's the contradiction that most women will say, oh, I want the man to pay all the bills. You don't realize that men are very, like you said, they're very logical and practical. So if I am the one paying the mortgage and all this, you think we're having a discussion about what's going on in this house? (laughs) I pay that mortgage. So I decide the terms of what's going on. I think that me right now, like, so I just got real serious right now. Like, I'm dead ass. <laughs> like, if they want to play them, <laughs> you just went Ike Turner on us. Who paid you to anime? <laughs> no, not in that regard. But like, like, listen to how crazy that sounds. You're gonna tell a man who's paying the financial bills. Oh, then I'm not doing this. I ain't cooking for you. I ain't doing it. Is this crazy, the man that's like, cutting the checks? The crazy part about the I'm not Jamal. doing this is men don't have that luxury. Men don't get to say, like, I don't do that no more. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you ain't a man no more. But women, they don't do I don't know what they do these days. They're just, what are they, they doing, get on man? social media. They get on they social media. Fine. They look fine. They look fine on the gram. That's the filters, Charles. Don't don't be don't be fooled. That's the all filters. these women are fine. Oh the man, all of them are fine. <laughs> That's the filters, filters, though. You see them in person, you're like ah. Uh. Yeah, you don't look like 157 likes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you look like. <laughs> it's always their friends. Their friends are the people that like it and hype them up in the comments. <laughs> Like, the yes, comments, girl, yes, honey. Fire signs. No, her yep. hair looks a mess. That wig is rising. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But this, this is what like people don't get. I talk the way I do on Twitter mostly because the way I talk professionally at work or every day the 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 nuances and the terms i use that's for work but on twitter you gotta meet these people where they live they don't understand intellectual capacity or good conversation you gotta talk to them like we still out here picking cotton in the field because that's their mentality sometimes you said y'all picking cotton on twitter <laughs> they be, cotton they picking tweeters they be picking cotton 
they be having the <laughs> mentality. They be having the same master mentality. <laughs> they be waiting for master to bring them the meat for the month on the first and the fifteenth. They do. That's what they be doing. Oh, man. man. All right, next next tweet. This is an ads controversial. It says, stop letting people who don't know where you're going critique your steps. You got to. You got to stop it. You got to stop letting your friends, your strangers, even your relatives. Like, I would never listen to my mother in regards to any entrepreneurial ventures I'm taking on because my mother has worked her entire life. Nothing against mm-hmm. them. She, she's provided for me. She did the best she could. But what does she know about business? What does she know about finance? What I've seen her live paycheck to paycheck. Again, she did the best she could, but she can't tell me about this path I'm taking. She's never been there. She can't tell me about these business deals I, when I'm negotiating. She's never been there. And if truth be told, when it comes to banking, she called me last weekend. She wanted to know if the bank was giving her a good loan. She calls me for advice. Right. So you can't, not saying, and I want to make this clear, there's a difference between constructive criticism and people just critiquing you. Mm. You know, those people who are critiquing you every time you, you give, you tell them an idea that you're tossing around, oh, how you going to do that? Oh, I don't see that. Like, I don't think you're capable of that. I don't see how you're going to move. That's because that's their limitations. That's their fears. That's their insecurities. There's their lack of skill sets. Let them live in their small minority of skills and living life. And you live in your purpose. You live in your vision. You live in whatever God or if you believe in a spirit or whatever entity is driving you, whatever passion is uh, stirring your spirit, live in that. As Charles always just said, like, experience will be the, will be the critiquer. The market's going to correct you. If your idea is not going is not good, the market's going to show you. Right. If your concept needs to be tweaked, the market's going to let you know. Right. You don't you don't need to. People need to stop trying to gain some consensus prior to actually doing. Right. You don't need a hundred people to agree with you. Oh, that this is a good idea. Hell, you don't need two people to agree with you. You come up with the business plan. You come up with the concept. You attempt to execute it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And you know what you do if it doesn't work? You try something else. You pivot. Yep, one hundred percent. I think that, that is that's so key. It's like let the market be your critic, like be your critic, not niggas who ain't doing shit. <clears throat> and I don't, I don't, I never use the n word. I think did you use the n word on this show? I think you just inspired me <laughs> using the n word. But yeah, I just feel like let us know. I think it's probably the last frontier. <laughs> I was listening to it's probably the uh, last frontier we have a pet. <laughs> I was listening to um, Tyler Perry, <clears throat> and he made a comment that he was. The lady asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up, and he said, "I want to be a millionaire." He was a grown. He was like a little kid, and the lady was like, "You can't be a millionaire. You black. We oppress. The system is set up against you." And he mm. became a fucking millionaire. But the crazy I'm part about it, the crazy part about it to me, is. First and foremost, I know that somebody has asked me something like that, and I've kind of said something along those lines. And so it's kind of like prophetic in a sense that like people who have that calling are going to get to that space. Like, if that's what you're drawn towards, you're going to get there eventually, whether you get there now or 15 years from now. He was talking about how like he felt like he was 35 again. Like 35 is a starting point. And a lot of us think that like 30 is the end point. 
And so 35 is actually when you can start kind of like really sprinting towards your goals. But anyway, I think it was interesting because like a lot of times we can't let the comments from the crowd hold us back. It's more so like if you're on the field swinging the ax, that's when you're going to figure out like what you need to do better. Because like you never know what you're going to run up against in business. And that's why I always tell people like to get out there and do the work to, to actually launch your business, get out in front of customers, approach people, bring on people. Cause you're, that's how you're going to learn. That's what you're going to, how you're going to pivot. And like in Tyler Perry's story, for example, like he was doing play after play and they weren't selling out and he figured he needed to bring in gospel artists and he started bringing in the local gospel talent, the super mega stars, and he sold out. And that just became his formula. And so at that point, once he found out what worked, all he did was repeat what worked. But he never would have found out if he just like sat there and waited on the perfect idea. And so I tell people like, once you find your sauce, you run with your sauce. Todd Capital is not the first business I've ever ran. Todd Capital is the business that caught fire. And so I just think that you got to get out there and do the work and not listen to these ignorant people who never read a book in their life. Right, like, you know, we need to like wrap this up because uh, otherwise you're gonna have like a three-part episode here. Man, but, um, we didn't. Uh, Jamal, Jamal, did we not ask you? In, there's, I know you got to. Let me get one more from Jamal. It's yeah. Be, it's yeah, be yeah, yeah. He was talking about posting um, negative stuff about baby daddies on, on social media. That stuff is so funny to me. You using that? Wait, <laughs> say that again? <laughs> like, I missed that part. You were, so, you were talking about how you don't understand how these women are on social media tweeting and, and posting about um, the baby daddies and how they doing them wrong or whatever when they can use it. In that oh, yes, the one, I did today, the one I did today, like, about them like publicizing an embarrassing mistake that you made. Like right. I don't understand. I don't understand how <laughs> you go out of your way on a daily basis to remind us that you, as an adult, made the purposeful decision to have a baby with someone you did not know. Right. That you were not with long term and how he doesn't take care of your kid. Like, why are you repeating this on a social media platform on a daily basis? And they and they do it as if it's like, they weren't in the wrong at all. Like, this happened to me. <laughs> like, were you not in the room? Like, what happened? <laughs> like, were you not there? <laughs> and then, and then, like, and then what kills me is, what really kills me, it be the ones with two and three deadbeat baby fathers. So you got God not once, but two and three times? No, it's you, yeah. beloved. It's, it's, you. it's them. I feel like it's so, it's like, that is so convenient to like mess up over and over and over again and then just find a way to blame somebody else. Like, oh, it wasn't me. Lack, lack I, of accountability. I didn't, I didn't select somebody who was an ain't shit. He was just ain't shit. Like, no, like you selected him. You already knew he yeah. wasn't shit. And I don't want to hear, there's no way you, and this is the thing that really behooves me. For girls to be as selective as they claim to be, there's no way you're going to tell me that you did not see the signs well before you got pregnant 
that this man was not father material. Yeah, they overlooked it. In twenty in twenty twenty, blessed black man is ending the era of ain't shit in words. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I'm telling you. No more. And that's what the difference. And I have to explain to them like most of you have only dated niggas. You've never dated a man. None of you have ever even been the in the presence of a man. You've dated some drug dealers. Hmm. You've dated some street niggas. You've dated some clowns for sure. You have right. never been in the presence of a man. I feel like it's so unfair to make that like that conclusion because women who have dated like drug dealers, they did it because they were chasing money, not because they were chasing somebody who was a man. And so like being a man and having a bunch of money aren't the same thing. Being a man, it's a list of qualities that you have. Are you this? Mm-hmm. this? Are you this? Are you this? Are you this? Are you this? And so women overlook all that stuff, chase the guy with the money, despite his lack of moral fiber, because he's out there ruining his community to make a buck. And they realize he's, he's not a good guy, but he was never a good guy. He was a drug dealer, bae. Like <laughs> <laughs> he was a drug dealer, bae. <laughs> oh, all right. So this is my, my wealth related suite. And it says, you right now should be establishing five $10,000 positions in solid dividend-paying Wall Street companies. Make sure you practice the 5-5 rule. Uh, yes. The, um, the what rule? The 5-5. Five and five. Meaning, the 5-5 five and five rule means that if, if it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes thinking about it. Um, mm. the ten yes, the ten thousand dollars in dividend paying companies, I feel like is a good is a good foundational point for people because I I believe in the good dividends. More dividends is my favorite investment vehicle outside of compounding interest because dividends is basically what it is. It's a company paying you for holding their shares. Mm-hmm. Like if you put into Coca-Cola right now. At the end of the year, in dividend payments, you would make $347. For nothing. Just holding the shares. You ain't did nothing. That's on top. Right. That's that's not including if the stock the stock's gone up 21% this year, year to date. So you've got you still own the shares. Huh? I said you, you get the money and you still own the shares. Exactly. You get the money. So you've gone up 21% from the $10,000. So now what? 10, 21% of 10,000. So now you've made roughly probably $2,100 plus the $347. That is the type of thing. And you think about that long term and I say that because I, that's a good way to build wealth because if you reinvest the dividend, you take that 300 and forty-seven dollars for the year, and put it back in Coca-Cola. Now you're compounding the interest. Now you're, you know, doing all that, and you could do that over a long period of time. If people built five ten-thousand-dollar positions right now, say you're thirty years old, in those companies, in thirty years, each one of them, if they only went up seven percent, given their price, let's lose Coca-Cola again. It'll probably be worth about nine hundred thousand dollars. I gotta adjust for inflation, so let's call it like one 
$120 million in 30 years. And if you have five positions of that, you don't need social security for a nest egg. You've built that. And but people will say they don't have the money, they don't have the money. You get the money every year. You get it in tax returns. You get it in those vacations you take. You get it as a rental like child preserve. People have paper, man. People have paper. You got it. Um Raphael, did you have any other tweets? I know you you don't want this to go long, but this could you know. The Joe Rogan show is like a two-hour show. We could do a long show. Mm-hmm. Let's just post this as is. Full two hours, man. 10X. Got to. Let me see what I got. Uh... But I am going to see Joker at 9.30. And the movie theater is approximately <laughs> 10 minutes from my house. That Honestly, like I was supposed to go at 6.30, but I was like, damn. I got to record the podcast. And that's at 7, but this is at 6.30. And so I looked and I found a later showing because I'm a problem solver. And I found a 9.30 showing. Mm-hmm. I was like, we'll definitely be done by then. So, all right. <laughs> what else do you have? Let's, let's, we got another 15 minutes, 25 minutes. Which all right. Guess? So, you know, I'm glad you say that because um, there's one thing that I really wanted to talk about tonight that's probably going to take a little while anyway. So the big thing this whole week, right? Um, you forget what you said about people. You said something about people need to stop talking about how a, a personal residence is not an asset. Yeah. And every, almost everybody say, "Oh, well, it's not an asset because it takes money out of your pocket." I'm like, everybody read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And that's all they know. That's all they got. Don't get me started on that. Everybody read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Swear They a Guru now. Yes. And all they keep, that's the only thing they say. Asset takes money out of your pocket. I mean, you know, asset puts money in your pocket and a liability takes money out. And that's all they got to say. And it's funny, like, I was listening, I went to this event last week. This author, he wrote a book called Black Tax. He talks about home ownership is important because that's like one of the biggest factors in the wealth gap. Home ownership, home ownership. It's not just about business ownership. The biggest, right. the biggest gap between us and because not every white person is a business owner. Mm-hmm. Most of them aren't. So the biggest part of the wealth gap is really home ownership. Right, right, and that's was, a big part of was, their their net worth is their home. I was listening to Grant Cardone talk today, and he was talking about how his his position is that people shouldn't own homes, and he was saying like he thinks that Asian people they do the wrong thing with their homes, or they do the wrong things with their money. So they make a lot of money, but they do the wrong things. And he was saying one of the things that I think is wrong is that. They buy a home. He said that if you look at the stats, the biggest amount of homeowners per capita is the Asian community. And then behind that is the white community. And so his conclusion is that he thinks that they depend on their homes too much. What I gather from that, though, is that if you look at wealth and income in America, you have Asian people first and you have white people next. And so one of the things that's really important is what people have to realize is like they've been miseducated. 
And so miseducation indicates that somebody educated you incorrectly. Therefore, they gave you something that you thought was wisdom, but it was wrong. And a lot of people are being miseducated. That's my first point. The other point is that in the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he says that the middle class believe that their home is their biggest asset. Your home should not be your biggest asset. But he also says in the book that your home is not an asset, which is a contradiction. And there are a few contradictions in that book. My thing is this. You know it's not an asset? This beer is not an asset. It's not an asset. But I'm going to still buy it and drink it. There are certain things that people should do. It really frustrates me that people only really become intelligent in the ignorant shit. And so people become very intelligent intelligent employees. They're like, oh, if we're going to be employees, they should pay us this much, and I should get this break, and I should get this, this. And they don't realize, like, being an employee is a, is a losing game, period. But you are very informed, educated, astute employee, and you think that you're winning because you have been able to force them to give you health care for free. And so my thing is that, like, it frustrates me because nobody really actually becomes intelligent until it's something to be ignorant about. Owning a home is a hack. Owning a home, despite all this, it's a liability, it's this, it's that, is in a lot of ways, like you said, what separates us from them. They own their own home. And if you look back, you have redlining, you have being able to get loans, you have depressed property values, like real estate plays a big goal in wealth building. And a lot of people, they're just too smart for their own good. Like I put out a tweet and I was like, he said, what did he say? He said that mortgage is death pledge. And I was like, you know what frustrates me about like people, they get a little bit of knowledge and they used to piss me off because my uncle, he's probably the most frugal person I know. He bought a house in San Diego he probably paid like 154, which is a lot of money at that time. It's paid off now, but it's probably worth like 700 grand. But he paid it off. When he bought that house, he was like, I have no idea how I'm going to make this payment of $1,200. <laughs> and then he paid it off like 15 years early because what people don't realize is your mortgage is this, but your income does this every year. Your income is just doing that. And as it's doing that, your mortgage is going like this, 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 because you make, you're supposed to make more money. More than likely, you're going to make more money. And so the benefits that accrue to the property owner are astronomical. The only people that want you to not own a home are the people that want to rent you one. I would respect Grant Cardone's advice if he didn't own 5,000 rental properties. Like, he's completely biased. He is selling you. Seller be sold. It's not financial advice. I never um, I realized this today, and people might realize I'm doing this. But like people are like, oh, man, you always give so much game on your Tide Investments thing. And I was like, I feel like I'm educating my consumer. And as bad as that sounds, that's what Jay Morrison does. That's what a lot of people do. I don't do that on purpose. But if I'm sharing you LLC information, I'm giving you like tips and tricks about LLCs, I'm educating you on how to be my customer. Grant Cardone is educating you on how to be his customer. And people run with that advice and they say, oh, man. I need to actually buy rental properties as opposed to buying the home that I live in. And so I just want people to realize like there's stuff that sounds good. And this is why it's important. Like it, it, the stuff that I'm saying and the stuff that I'm telling people, like it might not resonate with you. 
and there's things that just don't make sense, but you got to do them anyway. And buying a home, paying off that home, it's, it's bigger than that. Like I am the way I am because my parents were homeowners. <laughs> I am the way I am because my mom bought her first home, flipped it, used all that money to pay off her student loan debt. And so you have people who are over here like, we're never going to get a student loan debt. Let's go rent and buy a luxury car and then take a vacation and they never get out of debt and they blame the debt. They blame the fact that like a home is not an asset instead of saying like, we just did the wrong shit. So and the last example is my, my grandparents, man. They bought a house a long time ago in San Diego. I'm from San Diego, but San Diego is appreciated substantially. And they had a house. It's the house that like my mom, when she moved back to California from Georgia, she lived in there. The big, huge house. My dad, my uncle, my grandfather was a military, very respected man. Um, and they ended up letting that house go like 30, 40 years ago. And they rented an apartment for as long as I've ever known. They've, they've just been living in this apartment. My grandmother passed like 20 years ago, maybe like 15 years ago. And my grandfather's just been living in that apartment. If you do the math, they might have paid like 600 grand just in rent, maybe more. And so not only did they just give away all their wealth, but they also are not leaving their kids anything to inherit. Huh. That's deep, man. It's frustrating because people just don't know shit and they learn a little bit of shit. They read this book and like homes out of asset. Right. Oh, I'm so smart. It's not a, you think it's an asset, but it's not. I'm gonna rub it in your face. And then like that has set everybody back. They they really do. And it's funny you say that because you read probably just as much, if not more, than me. And I've read books. Some of my best um favorite books have um, been written by um Robert E. Green, who wrote the um the art of um thirty three strategies of war, the art of seduction, the um forty eight laws of power. Right. Forty eight laws yeah. of power. And of course I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it blows me because I was reading those books back in high school, back in 2003, motherfuckers have just picked them up in the last five, six years, and all of a sudden, they think they knowledgeable. You late on game, baby. Them books is 15 years old. <laughs> you late. You late on game. And they, they think they know a little bit because they've, they've read the book, but the different... The, the accumulation... The... Uh, read one book. The reading of the book is not the same as accumulating and understanding the intellectual capacity right. in it. The understanding piece. It's not the same thing. Just because you read Green's book on 48 Laws of Power, don't mean you understand what the hell he was talking about. You just, you think you can throw me out a little passage about Aristotle, Alexander, and what Green was talking about. You think you understand strategy? You think you understand uh, positioning and playing your role? You read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, you all of a sudden know, understand real estate. No. You just read a book. Your mind found some trendy words that it liked. You know, a new word that I, that I hate motherfuckers they, they use now. Because I be talking about people being actually leveraged. Every time I turn around, a motherfucker's using the word leverage and they're using it wrong. They are using it wrong. They're miseducating people. <laughs> no, I feel like that. It's like it's it's really it's it's kind of like when I talk about how like African American men have been pushed out of the household, which has then allowed the community to degrade. It's like I'm gonna tell you some stuff that you might not see, you might not understand, but it's right. 
Mm-hmm. And buying a house and owning a house and paying off your house, you don't understand it because you've been fed by Kiyosaki that it's a liability. But what I'm telling you is right. And it's not just because I've read the books, because like you said, I've read the books. I've also listened to the podcast. I've also been around people who have been doing it at a high level. And so like, I'm not just like reading a passage and then giving you my advice. Like this is a bunch of stuff working together. I just stay in my spot. I'm not over here. I never forget. I had a necktie company and somebody was like, are you into fashion? I was like, I'm actually not into fashion. I don't give, I don't really care about fashion. And that's why I just stopped doing that all together. I was like, that's not my lane. My lane is finance. And that's all I do is finance. If I was not talking to you guys, I'd be watching a podcast on finance right now or reading a book on finance or reading a book on business. And so like when I speak or when Jamal speaks, when Raphael speak, we're not just like telling you what our grandpa told you because like, I'm just, I, people, people be talking too much, man. They don't know too much. Bro, too much. what did I say all that? I said, y'all, I said plat- platforms like Twitter have given people a, 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 a avenue to speak when otherwise no one would be listening. Like, you really, it's what I like to call keyboard courage. People, people be having a lot of courage behind them keyboards a lot of ignorant stuff behind them keyboards and and like i tell people all the time i like i agree with you all i know is finance and business and politics that's all i know that's my field that's my wheelhouse so when i speak to you about that trust and believe i have some statistics behind it i have some knowledge behind it i have some experience behind it so you can't get educated by barnes and noble i'm sorry I, i recommend that you go get a book yes but Barnes and Noble ain't going to give you all this information. They're going to give you a, a framework to start, but you got to implement this stuff. Right. You got to practice right. it. Y'all out here like, throwing around leverage. You wouldn't know leverage it hit you in the face. Like right. you really don't know what leverage is. The book just sets you up to take action. And so like, once you take the action, then you really get that real life wisdom. It's kind of like I was the, like we didn't know really what real estate pertained until we started doing real estate. But when we like read the books, I read so many books on real estate. Like when you just read the books, like you don't really get there. Anyway, I think we've gone a long time. It's been like an hour and 50 minutes. I can't, I can't believe it's gone that long. Yeah. Um, but one thing I will say is that somebody made a comment. They're like, man, that episode that you did with Jamal was like my favorite episode. So I was like, we got to get, we got to get Jamal. Me. <laughs> oh, see, it's lit. That was me. <laughs> it goes full circle. Hey, man. It goes. I just try. I try to live in my authenticity. That's one one thing I'm gonna tell people is like how I am now. As I acquire more money and assets, is how I'm going to be. I want people to see that you can still be you and be and reach those levels. People like yo. How did people ask me all the time? Like how are you so ratchet and your career keep taking off? Because I can be in different spaces. I can do different things. So. When people give me compliments like that, I appreciate it because I, I want people to see that you know, I'm just an ordinary dude. I just happen to have a college education in finance. That's it. Like that's all that that's all that happened in life. I'm not an ordinary dude. JC No, you tired Millie. No, you tired Billy now. You tired Billy now. <laughs> Billy. I'm gonna call those things that be not as though they were. This yeah. is episode nineteen. I think. Yep. Yep. 19. I appreciate y'all having me, man. Shout out to the sponsors. 
partners, friends, Tasha Go to Stay, Erica Classic Klein Williams, Hood Estates, Terry, who is launching her new cohort. Bless a black man. Check us out on Instagram at Blackwell Tweet Talks, at Todd Investments, at Raphael Husbands, at Todd Millionaire, at underscore Jamal Vitos. Thank you. Underscore that before, right? Yeah. That's what I thought. Any of last course, on Twitter. Yeah, of course, on Twitter, at Todd Billy, B I L I, at Leo Grand Prince. <laughs> at Work Money Life on Twitter, you know, CapitalTodd.com. Man. Come to Todd Capital. Come to Todd Capital. This is some shit. Yeah. Business and Wealth for the Team Sport. That's more like the slogan for the, the Todd Millionaire podcast, but it still applies. It's important. You got to stay. Uh, my last little tip. My last little tidbit is: stop asking questions and start taking actions. A lot of y'all keep jumping in my DMs asking about investing, opening up yourself a t- uh, e-trade, uh, uh, American uh, TD Ameritrade, uh, Sky Trade. Open yourself up an account, put a thousand dollars in there, mm-hmm. play with the system. Yep, you learn more by losing than you will by watching. This right. is episode number nineteen. Todd Millie, Raphael, husband Jamal Batos. We out. We talk. The sauce. We are out. It's lit. The sauce. (laughs) Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.